I'm Diana Geshengo, currently the National Coordinator, the Institute for Social Accountability, TISA. Um, I have been a social accountability and inclusion activist and advocate for the last 15 years, um, trying to ensure that citizens are raising their voices directly and uh, speaking to different aspects of access to public goods and um, services. I think the finance bill is the government trying to take, according to them, the easiest way to get us out of the financial mess we are in. So the, this year's finance bill increases the target um, annually that you want the government target to raise through, say, tax, new taxation measures. Before this finance bill, the last finance bill last year, targeted, had a target to increase the tax base or tax revenue by 50 billion. A significant increase from previous years where the average would be 15 billion, 50 was the highest. The new taxation measures introduced this year are aimed at bringing 200 billion. Okay. Somebody would say, a very good thing. After all, um, the amount of money we must pay this year in debt is close to 450 billion. So why don't we get tax, more, more new tax to come and cover for this? But unfortunately, we are in this mess because government has refused to be accountable with the revenue that they collect, both in taxes and what they raise through debt. So instead of bolstering accountability measures to ensure that our money is utilized properly, debt is not borrowed to be stolen or to fund the political elite, you decide it is time we tax everybody, okay? And painfully at a time when inflation is on a high, cost of living is on a high, government services are at their worst the lowest level. NHIF is literally collapsing. Education sector, everybody, all public schools are struggling. Public university are about to face a new funding model because they cannot be properly um, funded. Think about which sector could be thriving. I do not know. I am told even the military is uh, suffering for the first time, but I do. They are, I may not know as much, but we are at a very difficult point. For the first time you have seen teachers are going to pay paid in faces. You're paying them in faces, then you tax them to this level. Businesses can barely meet their loan obligations. Yet these are the people you want to increase their turnover tax from one to 3%. Will that even push revenue up or um, lower it? Because there are very many times in this country we've increased taxation measures, but gotten reduced um, revenue. During COVID, there was, uh, the, the most, most of the taxation measures were reduced, yet revenue was significantly better. Okay, what does that say? So the worst thing about this finance bill is one, um, it's very, very ambitious, has huge, huge implications. The ambition should have been met with significant participation and consensus building. Unfortunately, 
while we raise the issue of accountability as a big, big problem, there's a lot of chest thumping that you will pay no matter what, okay? When you tell people that, for things that look so misplaced, that you want to increase the cost of petroleum and the taxation from 8% to 16%, make sure the cost of living goes up. And then because the border border industry will be very, very uh, much affected, you will bring them electric bikes. Bikes that are extremely slow and without lowering the cost of electricity. Electricity in Kenya, hydrogeothermal, still is affected by the cost of petroleum. So what are you telling uh, Kenyans? That we will make sure your food is more expensive? your transport to go through your, to go uh, to your daily hustles is higher. The cost of pharmaceutical products, everything goes up. So that what? We pay debt. Debt that is unaudited in this country. We do not have a clear debt register um, of that debt. Nobody knows which is legitimate debt and what is odious. But all you're doing is you must pay no matter what. Pay for what? Pay for what? In this particular um, bill, we even have ambitions of increasing costs and salaries for certain offices. To what end? When most companies will have to lay off people to be able to meet the new proposed statutory obligations. You've increased obligations uh, for NHIF, NSSF, and now you want to introduce a housing levy that nobody trusts you will deliver on. But if employers are forced to comply, they must retain their profits. So what will they do? Lay off people. Why would we increase joblessness in a country that is already struggling with employment? What's the end goal of this finance bill? To punish people for the wrongs of the political class? Something doesn't add up. I personally took pride um, a lot and um, even took a break from uh, active or robust agitating for accountability and believing we were building institutions after the constitution 2010. It was so clear we would have separation of powers that whatever the executive would bring to parliament, it would be scrutinized with a tooth comb. And because their main role is representation, they would hold the interests of ordinary Kenyans very high, listen to them, actively consult. But what we have seen, especially around public finance issues, is a consolidation of the interests, particularly of parliament, and the executive through the years. The one time you're sure that executive and parliament are having very intimate con conversation is a budget and how to finance the budget. They will be whipped to the last man, okay? To pass very, very ambitious budgets. Um, we have forgotten our constitution and that we need to have prudent planning. All we do is increase the budgets. We are permanently in competition with our neighbors. 
and take a lot of pride that we still have the highest budget in East Africa. But that is where it ends. After that, what we do with the uh, approved expenditures, the taxes and so on is left out. I know this because um, parliament has since reflected and this, is it the 13th house? The 13th August house has expanded the number of audit committees from two to six. Okay. Why? Because some of the reports of the Auditor General have piled up since 2013. So since 2013, there are very many sectors that have not been, the, the, the audit reports of the Auditor General have not gone through the entire process, which is approval by Parliament. If that is the case, those are two Parliaments that we have to catch up on. Some of those people, if you think about it, whether it's a county government, it may be a governor who served two terms is now a senator. That is a person you want to bring accountability on or around. How do you even achieve it? Okay, so our governance system has been captured uh, by other interests outside of the constitution. There's there is now permanently and consistently a clash between those of us who believe in the, let me call it the constitutional dream, the governance in the constitution, because it feels like a dream. Okay? You speak to parliamentarians and tell them, we are a presidential system of government. So you guys have a lot of power. You're actually the ones who decide our priority, our expenditure, and they ask you, you think so? Do you even believe that? You think I can stand up to my party, whether it is in the opposition or the government side consistently, okay? So if we drafted something believing our parliamentarians would uh, be independent of other interests, not so much because if you're elected on a party um, platform, you, you hold their philosophy. But when it comes to voting, you the most important person you must consult is your constituent. But that increasingly is not, is not the case. So there is that conflict consistently. And what has happened is, if you look at, say, the Public um, Finance Management Act, it has faced a number of amendments in parliament that go against the constitution. There's now a proposal to remove some um, offenses from being, pro from being um, corruption offenses, okay? These are not offenses that touch on you and me. They touch on government officials. What are we doing? Was the intention of the constitution to pro protect government officials? Why would they need protection? It was to protect the people, the sovereign, the citizen, but that is being eroded by the day. And as, as, as it is being eroded, we are seeing um, a public declaration of, I hold the power, okay? I am your ruler. Um, there's a song, I am your mother, you listen to me. You really listen to your mother. I am your president. You listen to me. What I say, whether it is right or wrong, is what will pass. 
So our governance structure has is is extremely distorted, and um, even within the courts, um, constitutional ju- jurisprudence is it was on an upward trajectory now it's on the decline which is also very 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 concerning and as i close the citizens had given up mm-hmm. i don't know whether they have given up if they if they let us pay these taxes then i will agree they have completely um given up because this is the one finance bill that has gotten the most engagement and even um public street conversations, you can see people understand the ramification. Will they speak? And if they speak, it may actually change the governance landscape for budgets and finance bill. It means moving forward, Treasury, whenever they are making their radical proposals, because they have these ideas since July last year, by the time they initiate the budget process September. This is a process that needs six months. If you're going to increase taxes on every single trader, okay, upward from somebody who was making 2,500 to somebody who is making 1,300, that's significant. And if you think about the threshold that has been put for public participation, it means if you're going to affect them to that extent, you must get them to hear for them to speak and feel they have been heard. So we, we would have expected a consensus building process that started January. This bill was only tapered in May. Okay? It is what is being defended and it will be passed in June. Then our lives change drastically. But if citizens are able to push back, then we, might, we will have altered and restored the governance architecture that was intended for this country in the constitution. Think about our um, our public procurement and disposal act. Okay, disposal of assets act, which says every every single contract issued to government shall be advertised publicly on the public procurement portal. Every Okay, And even where it is not advertised and a different process is pursued, and that's usually for very specialized work or lower contracts, the contract will be public. So when that was drafted, we all knew every road, every building, every port, we will have the public contract and a public bidding. How many contracts have you seen? The only way we change the political culture is through the people who employ our politicians, instituting a very, very strong accountability culture. We elect these people, we should stop checking if they are coming for funerals. Instead, we must check how they vote for the finance bill, how they will ask questions around everything, every single scandal that emerges. It shouldn't be that civil society has to run to court. Parliament is the strongest oversight institution in this country. We must activate their oversight capabilities to the limit. If they realize that is what matters the most, 
they will get into that particular frame of mind and accountability will begin to count. If it starts there and they ask the right question, when the presidents come to address them, it will not be hail the king. It will be, it is time for you to um, answer for your good deeds. Okay, we herald you for that and make you very answerable and all your civil servants for your misdeeds. If that shift happens, we will finally have leadership with integrity, a servant leadership, not a chest-thumping leadership that blocks our highways, uh, takes the chunk of our taxes, tells us we are not overtaxed, okay, then mocks us with very, very um, opulent expenditure.